It's 11.30 on this Monday, and it's time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Everybody is here on this beautiful start to our new week. Jason Jorgensen is in with sports to tell us how the Husker baseball team performed this past weekend, and they're now ranked. Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are performing in the business reports, as also they appear to be on the rise right now. And again, we'll get our full week forecast with Paul Perkins coming up in about 15 minutes. Again, today we'll have a taste of summer. good chunk of our listening area will be in the 90s before the end of the day. But let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield. And Susan, it looks like the uh, temperature and, and the forecast for your area is going to be nice today. It is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, we went from 0 to 100, it feels like, uh, <laughs> We'll see almost 90 today, so we'll take it. Well, it's, uh, again, a taste of summer. I'm not sure many people are complaining, especially from what we had a week ago. It was a little bit chillier highs in the 30s. Yeah, especially as guys are wrapping up calving and lambing and kidding and all that stuff. They'll take some nice weather. Well, what do you have for us coming up on midday today? We'll kick it all off here at 1219 with Alex. She talks with Adam Wegner with the Nebraska Beef Council, sharing some ideas about the sustainable research that is taking place. Then I will step in here at 1245 as we talk about some biologicals. They've been very popular for some aspects of of agriculture and crop production, but we're now seeing it pick up more in conventional. We'll talk about what is happening there. And then at 117, Alex will wrap up everything with the Center for Rural Affairs is now offering home ownership and home improvement loans in rural Nebraska. So that's a midday from the farm team. All right, some good information coming up. Look forward to it. Thank you very much. All right, let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen. And uh, for the first time in a while, the Husker baseball team now ranked. They are ranked. First time since the end of the 2017 season. People have been clamoring for this the last two, three weeks. Uh, We'll see. It's hard to gauge how good the Big Ten has been since the Big Ten did not go out and play non-conference games. But Huskers have done a nice job of beating the people in front of them, and they've won seven consecutive series to start the year. That's the first time that's ever happened in program history. Good to see them ranked. They're beating the teams they should beat. And, you know, to a certain degree, it's not their fault that everybody is uh, is struggling in the Big Ten and, again, not having a non-conference schedule. And Nebraska's two biggest opponents are lurking on the schedule with Indiana mm-hmm. and Michigan before the season comes to an end. The Huskers will host Rutgers this Friday night, and Rutgers just took two out of three from Michigan. So the Huskers have to be on the upset alert there. Also, uh, we'll talk about the uh, Kansas City Royals, who uh, won again yesterday. Mm-hmm. I know it was against Detroit, but Danny Duffy has been lights out so far. He leads Major League Baseball with an 0.38 ERA. That's incredible and impressive as that. I've seen that this morning. That's a team to watch out for. So far, so good. I don't know if I'm sold yet, but they're doing a nice job. But it really shouldn't be that surprising. They went out and made some good offseason moves yeah. to, to improve. So that's what the whole basis of that is. Crossing the fingers. All right, very good. We'll see how they uh, do. All right, uh, let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. How are stocks performing? A little bit higher today in trading, and uh, remains to be seen whether that uh, stays put. The European Commission has launched legal action against uh, AstraZeneca over timely delivery of doses. Also, gas prices up just a couple of cents over the past two weeks. Details on those stories and more coming up. All right, thank you very much. It's the start of midday. Time for regional ag weather update here to start this new week. Tyler Cavalli now joined by Paul Perkins. And 
Well, Paul, this time last week we got a <laughs> still a taste of winter, and now today we're getting a taste of summer. Yeah, big time today. A lot of us expected to see highs up around 90. I look back at the highs from last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, three straight days of highs in the 40s, and now we're talking mm-hmm. temperatures about 45 degrees warmer than that for today. Mother Nature is, <laughs> is so odd here in the Midwest. Especially in springtime. Goodness gracious. But nobody's complaining about today, nope. especially those that are eventually trying to get into the field. These temperatures are really going to help. Yes, uh, boosting those soil temperatures. We'll have more on that here shortly. Uh, the temperatures definitely going, the soil temperatures definitely going to get a boost from the heat today. Uh, already some low and mid 80s over western Kansas, up to 86 right now mm-hmm. on the temperature at Colby. A lot of us in central areas of Nebraska and Kansas in the low to mid 70s but already touching at 79 in aurora 78 towards the omaha area towards wahoo still some cloud cover in easter or the western part of nebraska and temperatures getting held down to the 60s currently but don't be surprised if uh, a good chunk of our listing area and if you see 90 by the end of today yeah no doubt uh, those temperatures really warming up underneath the dome of high pressure today the warmest day so far this year for many of us with summer like highs 25 degrees above normal and most of us expected to get up to around 90 maybe a little bit cooler from north Platte on into the nebraska panhandle dry air and breezy southwest winds elevating the fire weather concerns to critical levels especially along and south of i-80 on into northern kansas cold front for tomorrow will make for a big temperature spread from north to south with most locations still slightly milder than normal not going to be a big push of cold air like we had last week low pressure will team up with that front for increasing thunderstorm chances from west to east tomorrow afternoon into tomorrow night rain chances expected to linger into wednesday the better thunderstorm and severe weather chances will continue to be to our southeast rain total is not going to be too high uh, mostly on the light side and likely to range only from about a tenth to a quarter of an inch. Wednesday going to be our coolest day of the next seven, and those temperatures only slightly cooler than average and nothing like we saw last week. Now Thursday through the weekend, dry weather will return with a warmer trend. Highs back up around 80 by Friday through the weekend. Small chances of rain return by Sunday night with the cold front. Right now it's just some light rain chances. In the long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures will continue for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S., first nine days of next month in early may for central nebraska average highs are in the upper 60s with average overnight lows in the low 40s nebraska and kansas rainfall this weekend through may 9th likely to be near normal to slightly above normal soil temperatures at seven this morning and four inches down in the low 40s across the north half of nebraska and from north Platte imperial on into the panhandle from lexington mccook the tri-cities on into southeast nebraska and all of kansas the soil temperatures in the mid to upper 40s. Key weather factors impacting the markets include continued dry weather in Brazil's winter corn areas and varying amounts of rain in the Midwest. A storm emerging from the western U.S. will drift to the east, crossing the nation's midsection by midweek and reaching the eastern U.S. by Friday. Summer-like warmth will precede the storm while cooler air will follow. Late-week freezes will affect the northern U.S., including parts of the northern plains and upper Great Lakes. In the Midwest, the south and east areas will see moderate to heavy rain totals over the next seven days. Northwest areas in the Midwest, only light amounts with lingering concerns for dryness. 
Midwest planning progress expected to be near the five-year average. The Southern Plains weather will be volatile, dry, windy, and very warm conditions in western areas, leading to a high wildfire threat and stress for winter wheat. Southeastern areas expect thunderstorms and a severe potential for a weather through the week, midweek. In the Northern Plains, light rain and snow only bringing a slight easing of extreme drought. Warmer temperatures are allowing, though, more planning. Central and southern Brazil continuing to see only light rain. The end of the rainy season appears to be starting for central Brazil. Conditions that are unfavorable for second crop corn that was mostly planted later than average. Yeah, things are not going well down south right now in terms of their conditions. Uh, but back in our listening area, something to keep an eye on, again, is that red flag warning. Yeah, basically along in south of Iede, all the way from Ogallala to Seward, and then on into northern Kansas. Also the Nebraska Panhandle in that red flag warning for high fire danger this afternoon and some of the early evening. Okay. Do we expect that to kind of uh, be an issue throughout the rest of this week or really just today because it's so warm? Just today, basically, maybe by the end of the week uh, when we start warming back up to around 80. Okay. Very good. Uh, For a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you. A lot of agriculture organizations were celebrating Earth Day last week, one of which was the Nebraska Beef Council. And joining us on the phone today is Adam Wagner. He's the director of marketing with the Nebraska Beef Council. Adam, along with celebrating Earth Day, you all were also highlighting some sustainability research that you've conducted. Tell us a little bit more about this. You know, Alice, we've talked before about how understanding the consumer and knowing how to best communicate with them is really key for forming and maintaining their trust. So one of the ways that we stay connected to our consumers is through market research. The Beef Checkoff is currently uh, gathering consumer feedback on a sustainability topic by utilizing uh, focus groups. So these are studies that are testing consumers' perceptions of messaging around things like water use, land use, greenhouse gas emissions, and even upcycling. So finding from uh, these focus groups has helped us determine the messaging for advertising and education efforts as we move forward. And while the research is still ongoing, some of the positive uh, responses that we've seen so far include uh, talking to them about collaboration among the industry and using language like encourage or invite, which draws consumers to learn more and shows some transparency and openness within our industry. And then we also uh, found that they enjoy seeing the highlights from Uh, farmers and ranchers and their award-winning conservation efforts, which really sounds impressive to them and invites them to learn more. Now, on the flip side, the research has showed us that we have to be cautious when we're mentioning policy or procedures that uh, could lead to more questions or concerns for the consumer. And then we also need to be sensitive about images of uh, things like at the feed yard or close-up images of cattle when connecting it to steak or eating a meal. So again, these are all uh, valuable information and good feedback that we use to develop and implement our, uh, our consumer messaging. So Adam, you and I have talked before that this research is the foundation of a lot of great things that happen, but you have to apply that research to get it into people's ears and eyes. And that comes with advertising and education. How does the Nebraska Beef Council do that? So we're going to be utilizing this information over the next few months as we roll out advertising campaigns around beef sustainability. So the Beef It's What's Your Dinner website is going to be launching a dedicated page that's going to highlight farmers and ranchers from across the United States and allows the consumer to learn more about the efforts in place to protect the land and the environment. So included in that will be a Nebraska producer who has received various uh, environmental awards. So we're really uh, proud to have that great representation from our state. There's also going to be plans for a satellite 
satellite media tour uh, that will include television and radio interviews from, again, across the country, as well as some letters to the editor that are submitted by ranchers, again, including a few here in Nebraska, who share their environmental practices and how they're implemented on their operation. So we're really looking forward to seeing all that content being distributed out over the next couple of months to, again, build that trust and the confidence between consumers and the beef community. All right. Well, Adam, as we round this conversation out, people may or may not know that the Nebraska Beef Council has a beef checkoff update letter that has all of this information included in it. How do people get signed up to get the beef checkoff update newsletter? That's exactly right. If you want to stay updated on the activities of the Nebraska Beef Council and the Beef Checkoff, I would encourage uh, all Nebraska producers to visit our website, nebeef.org, click on the Cattleman's Corner tab, and then just sign up for the monthly newsletter. It's free, it's quick read each month, and it just gives some highlights of the Beef Checkoff programs on a state, national, and international level. All right. Great information. As always, Adam, thanks so much. That again is Adam Wagner joining us. He's the director of marketing with the Nebraska Beef Council, broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks. Well, following its series win at Michigan State yesterday, the Husker baseball team is now ranked by D1 Baseball America and Perfect Game. It's the first time this season the Huskers have been ranked by D1 Baseball or Baseball America. With their series win in East Lansing, the Huskers have now won all seven Big Ten series that it's played this year, marking the first time in program history that a team has won seven straight conference series to start the year. And while the Huskers weren't at their best, head coach Will Bolt was happy to see them grind it out. We weren't very sharp at all, um, but, you know, we regrouped, we found a way, and we made the plays that we needed to make them. And again, you, you, you win series and you got a chance. Bolt made his comments on his post-game show on the Husker Sports Network. Nebraska sits atop the Big Ten standings with a 20-7 and record, holding a game-and-a-half lead over both Indiana and Michigan, who the Huskers will have to face here in the final weeks of the regular season. Nebraska was the last ranked at the end of the 2017 season when Baseball America had the Huskers tabbed number 25. Well, the Tri-City Storm wrapped up their regular season with a loss on Saturday night at Omaha. They now will prepare for the playoffs. They will host Fargo in Game 1 of the Clark Cup semifinals. That's set for Friday night at 7.05. Cook Redshirt Jr. Tiara Schmidt won the college shot put for UNK at the Drake Relays. She followed the lead of Logan Prater, who won the discus on Friday. Prater is believed to be the first Loper woman to ever have won an event at Drake. Schmidt led a field of 13 in the shot put with a toss of 46 feet 8 inches. And Danny Duffy pitched five more scoreless innings as the Royals shut out Detroit yesterday 4 to nothing for their fourth straight win. For Duffy, it's been a fantastic start to the year. He's allowed just one earned run in 23 innings, and he says a big plus has been his curveball. I felt really good. I felt better with my curveball than I think I've honestly ever felt. Maybe dating back to my rookie year when that was kind of my go-to pitch. But Kansas City continues to lead the AL Central going into their game today with Detroit. That is a look at sports. For more, you can find that anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. It's time for Midday News. Dave Schroeder has stepped in, the news director here. And 
Well, Dave, we're, uh, we're following up on a fatal crash in the capital city from this past weekend. Yes. Well, they say a motorcyclist died in a crash over the weekend as he fled Gage County Sheriff's deputies. Police say that the crash happened shortly after 10 p.m. Saturday on Highway 77 in southwest Lincoln, killing 28-year-old Jacoby Wilcox of Lincoln. Now, according to investigators, Wilcox was fleeing Gage County Sheriff's deputies and speeding northbound on Highway 77 when the Nebraska State Patrol was informed of the pursuit. Minutes later, two southbound troopers in separate vehicles spotted Wilcox's motorcycle and were attempting to turn around when Wilcox crashed into the back of a sport utility vehicle. Investigators say the troopers tried to administer aid, but Wilcox died at the scene of his injuries. A power outage occurred yesterday afternoon in Gothenburg after a Union Pacific train hit a cable disrupting the main feed. City of Gothenburg electrical foreman Nate Baker says a series of unfortunate events led to the outage. We had a train hit the charter communication line, and when it hit it, we didn't have any poles break, but it uh, took the communication line and wrapped it up in our transmission line, 34,500 volts. And when they wrapped together, it took the main breaker out of NPPD 7 and dropped top of Gothenburg. Baker says they don't know why the train hit the line. That line's been there a long time, and a lot of trains have went under it. So I, we really haven't uh, haven't figured out why the line was lower or if the train was higher. I, I can't explain it yet. We couldn't find anything that looked broken ahead of time. Well, Baker says the city of Gothenburg electrical workers fixed the problem, and power was restored in a little over an hour. The outage dropped power to the eastern half of Gothenburg, affecting around 1,500 residents. Several small earthquakes rattled north-central Kansas over the weekend. The largest had a magnitude of 3.5 and reported Friday in Jewell County. Other quakes measuring 2.3 and 2.5 on the Richter scale were recorded Saturday in Smith County, while a third with a magnitude of 2.5 was reported in Jewell County. There were no reports of damage. The threshold for damage usually starts at a magnitude of 4.0. Police have released body and dash camera videos of a fatal shooting of a black man during a Nebraska traffic stop. The three videos provided Friday to reporters were reviewed last month by grand jurors who declined to issue indictments in the November shooting of 35-year-old Kenneth Jones. That shooting led to protests. Two of the videos are from body cameras and a third from their cruisers. Both officers can be heard on the video yelling hands up and one officer says to stop reaching and he's got a gun before shots rang out. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Field work is in full swing, and we know you're in the tractor from sunup to way past sundown. KRVN, the River, and Cami are geared up for 2021 spring breaks. We'll be the ones driving up in a vehicle from Pony Express, Chevrolet, and Buick, Gothenburg, and Pony Express Ford, Minden, bringing you a hot meal from Skeeter Barnes, the best Nebraska corn-fed beef, and slow-smoked barbecue in Kearney. Excitement continues to build around biologics. 
Good afternoon. I'm Susan Little, Field on the Rural Radio Network. I caught up with Jan Steckman. He is the Vice President of Marketing and Sales with Serratus Crop Protection. As we talk about biologicals and what's enticing producers. I think that the, the main part is that it's a, it's a biological, that the new biological, this new generation biologicals like Ceramax, that they are really... From a handling perspective, they don't have the issues anymore that, that first-generation uh, biologicals had where you had issues with uh, temperatures for storing, you had issues with mixing capabilities, um, you had issues with uh, uh, you know, performance uh, uh, being uh, sustainable over, over different environments. And that's really the, the great thing about, about Ceramax, that it in the end behaves like conventional chemistry that the grower is used to. And uh, without the, the stress on handling, without the stress on, on mixing, without the stress on performance, that you have a biological that competes against the conventional um, at, at a one-to-one rate and uh, that can be mixed with, with conventional chemistry very easily. And that's, uh, that's, of course, where the excitement comes from. You know, and for, for us with soybean um, or sudden death syndrome, for example, yeah. I mean, this is, this is some good, powerful information for our soybean growers. Correct. So that's, of course, something uh, that I was very happy about, the, the effect that Ceramax has against the SDS. Because that's, of course, a problem that has been in the U.S. for a while, and there's not that many options for it. And to now be able to offer a biological option really is, is of course, something that we feel, feel very happy about. And for plant health, what does this bring? What does Ceramax, for example, bring when it comes to plant health for our soybeans? Yeah. So one of the things, of course, that, that was observed with, with earlier SDS uh, solutions is the, the fact that you have a, a phytotoxic effect in the beginning. And that's, of course, something that Ceramax completely uh, avoids. So the early plant stress is, is completely ruled out with, uh, with the new Ceramax. You guys are also uh, working with, with Winfield as well, Winfield United, for distribution of Ceramax. Correct. So we are looking at, at uh, uh, distributing this product widely to, to have good access to the grower. We've recently signed the agreement with Winfield United. Um, we, are, we have uh, signed an agreement already with Direct Enterprise, and uh, we are hoping to, to add hopefully uh, one or two more uh, distributors uh, that, that uh, we, can, we can really make sure we can service the grower wherever he might need the product. As I was reading through your news release, too, you talk about the not only the genetic potential that's there, but really that early season boost that is needed for this soybean plant to, to be able to produce in the end come harvest time. Correct. So that's, of course, with, with the biological, with taking the, the stress of the, of the conventional chemicals off the seed to make sure that the seed can really uh, develop its full potential and, and rather being helped with a biological solution instead of being uh, yeah, held back with a, with, a, with a chemical solution. And there's been a lot of research as well, Jan, that's been done across 10 states for Ceramax. Yeah. Correct. So we, we've, we've tested this product uh, uh, up and down across 10 states. Uh, uh, we've, we've started the testing in 2017 and we've done testing ever since. Uh, and this is something also we're, we're continuing. We're very uh, devoted here to the development of this product um, to also ex- extend that into, into other crops uh, in the future as well. What can you tell me about Serratus, your company? 
So Serratis is a Dutch company. We are a spin-off of the University of Wageningen, uh, the biggest uh, ag university certainly in, in Europe. Uh, and uh, the founder of the company, Mr. Wim, uh, Dr. Wim van der Krieg, and he was a professor at Wageningen University. He founded Serratis. And uh, we have been in the market now for 15 years. We have companies uh, distributing our products in Europe already. And now with Ceramax, we're entering the United States. So a lot of excitement continues to build, not only being in the United States, but bringing Ceramax and some new biologicals to the soybean grower. That, that is correct. So we are also looking, of course, in, into uh, uh, bringing the extended portfolio that Serratis offers here to the U.S. to go ahead and, and really offer more of those next generation biologicals to be able to uh, to work alongside with conventional chemistry, but to make sure that we reduce the chemical footprint overall. Somebody wants to find out more information, not only about Serratis, but about Ceramax. Jan, where do they need to go? Well, I mean, they can go to our website, www.serratis.com, which is C-E-R-A-D-I-S. Or um, they can they can look. Uh, uh, we we have uh, things uh, coming up here with with Winfield United. Of course, they can contact their uh, local uh, sales rep. They can contact Direct Enterprise for information here in the U.S. So that should should be uh, should be workable. And that is my conversation with John Seckman. He is vice president of marketing and sales with Serratus as he talks about work that they are doing with Winfield and more on biologicals for those in the agricultural industry. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With a business report for Monday, I'm Bob Bergen. Stocks are higher as investors gear up for the busiest week for earnings so far this season. The S&P 500 was up three-tenths of a percent, led by technology companies and banks. Small company stocks outpaced the broader market. It will be a deluge of earnings for investors this week. Of the 500 members of the S&P 500 index, 181 will report their results this week. The biggest name to report today will be electric car maker Tesla, which will report after the closing bell. The European Commission says it's launched legal action against vaccine maker AstraZeneca because the company has not been in a position to come up with a reliable strategy to ensure a timely delivery of doses as agreed to in a contract with the EU. AstraZeneca's contract with the European Union was for an initial 300 million doses for distribution among the 27 member countries with the option for a further 100 million, but only 30 million doses were delivered in the first quarter of 2021. And the company says it can only provide 70 million in the second quarter, rather than the 180 million it had promised. Orders for big-ticket manufactured goods rebounded five-tenths of a percent in March as U.S. factories recovered from frigid February weather disruptions. The Commerce Department reporting that the March increase was the 10th gain in the past 11 months and followed a 9 tenths percent decline in February, a month when much of the country was hit by severe winter storms. The average U.S. price of regular-grade gasoline jumped 2 cents over the past two weeks to $2.96 per gallon. Industry analyst Trilby Lundberg of Lundberg Survey says the increase came as crude oil costs also rose. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan.
The Center for Rural Affairs is now offering home ownership loans. And joining us with all the details is Kim Preston. She's the Rural Enterprise Assistance Project Director. Kim, thanks so much for hopping on with us. Um, to start off, tell us, broadly speaking, a little bit more about these home ownership loans. Well, the Center for Rural Affairs works closely with rural Nebraskans to assist them in their journey in becoming a homeowner. We, we believe that building sustainable communities and that, that everyone living in a rural community should have opportunities to live a happy and fulfilling life, and we want to be able to offer them uh, that opportunity through quality housing. So how do these home ownership loans work then? Much like a traditional lender, um, we are able to lend individuals um, anywhere from $5,000 to $100,000 for the purchase of a property, or we can use some of that money for um, owner-occupied rehab. So what that means is if you are buying a property for $75,000, you could use another $25,000 for rehabbing the property that you're wanting to buy. So Kim, who is eligible to apply for these loans? Um, our funding dictates who we can often uh, lend our money to, and it's often those who um, aren't ready for a traditional banking or a tr- traditional Main Street banker. Um, so they may have a lower credit score, they may have lower assets, they may have no credit score actually, um, and our underwriting addresses all of those kinds of issues. And I think that's really a great way for especially somebody in a rural community to get started. Is that safe to say? It is, yeah, because a lot of our clients, it's going to be a first-time home buyer. They might be quite young where they've not really established any credit. They may have had some, some missteps in their credit, um, or they may be a new immigrant to the community. So talk to me about the benefits of doing it through the Center for Rural Affairs versus other entities and organizations that also offer first homeowner loans. Sure. So um, as I said, our, our target population generally is not ready for a traditional lending situation. They may not have some of the financial literacy behind them. They may not have um, an adequate credit history. And these homes are usually lower in value and a lot of times traditional banking um, won't take a look at them. Perfect. And you guys also have some other programs um, that people can apply for, right, too? Tell me about those. Sure. In our lending program, we also offer small business loans to individuals who are starting businesses or wanting to expand in their business or offer new products. Could be for working capital, um, equipment purchases, inventory. You know, now is the perfect time during COVID. If you've pivoted your business some, we can help with with funding for that. All right, great information. Kim, what's important to mention that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I think I can talk a little bit about the terms of the loan um, for the home mortgages. Our terms will go up to 15 years or 180 months and uh, may be amortized for over 30 years. So much like a traditional home loan. And our interest rates are variable, but currently they're between four and five and a quarter. Um, we do not require our applicants to have a down payment on their property. Um, however, if they want to provide a down payment, um, you may be eligible for some discounted interest rates. All right, Kim, a lot of great information. Thanks so much. That again is Kim Preston with the Center for Rural Affairs. And you can learn more about these home ownership loans for beginners at CFRA.org. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
And good afternoon as we take a look at the market trade. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We're going to take a look at what's happening. Closing grain futures as John Payne joins us. Senior marketing analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and the publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And I tell you, John, what a fun, crazy ride for a Monday in the grain complex. Yeah, yeah. And we'll have a nice night tonight, I imagine. Uh, by my numbers, we closed, we'll call it five, or I'm sorry, six, uh, 87, 688. So that's eight over limit where we closed today on the number at 680. So you'll see that pop tonight on the open. Um, you know, the question here is how high does it go? Um, you know, obviously the story's out. And now this is just kind of a, a run up and froth in our opinion now. Uh, you know, do you stick your neck out here and sell corn? I don't know. I mean, the May delivery here could provide some fireworks. Um, and there's no limit to May delivery either. So once we get to Thursday, that front month will have any, uh, have any limits. And you can't play it with an option. So it'd be kind of a wild card in that May one. If you're looking for a fun trade to watch, take a look at that. Um, and then on the sell side, I think you'll get July, July KC Weezy here above seven bucks. It's a, uh, you know, we're going to get the Egypt contender tomorrow. It's going to be at, Probably around 260, 270 a metric ton, which is a lot cheaper than we've been seeing um, relative to this time period, a little more expensive than they were in the last last month. But I would say if you're looking to sell something, maybe look at that market above seven. And the cheap dollar as it continues, that's just going to add some momentum to our grain trade as well. Oh yeah, that's I mean that's just kind of an underpinning factor at this point. I think the markets are really more fundamentally focused on what price you need to go to to do a few things. One, it needs to incentivize. Um, you know, the, the Brazilian producer to do as well they can, as much as they can here to get corn out of the field. Do everything, corn, the, the market wants to do everything they can to get the U.S. producer to plant beans and corn. So it's kind of fighting both sides there. And then in the third market, you look at KC Wheat in July. July KC Wheat trades at you know, 690 right ish in that area. What price does that need to go to get more acres next year if, if we really need supply? Now, that's why I kind of lean say, uh, as wheat is a sell here, and we not so much specifically because of the momentum trade. I just think, you know, you're at values that, that are competitive globally. And, there, again, there is supply in this country. This isn't like the soybean markets where we're completely tapped. Um, in the, the front month spreads tell us that when we're, you know, eight under uh, the May under July show. So I think that that's really just the corn trade at this point. And if corn tops out, I think wheat tops out. Um, but in the long run, there's, this is just the start, in my opinion. So we'll get through the, the growing season in wheat. And then, you know, 20, December would be present its own problems when it comes to Russian export taxes. Sounds so good. Thanks so much, John, for joining us today. Again, that is John Payne with Daniels Ag Marketing. You can learn more about them at danielsagmarketing.com. And remember, trading futures involves risk of loss and not suitable for all investors. Listening to the Pro Radio Network. Thank you very much, Susan. That'll wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. If you missed anything or want to go back and listen to the Midday Podcast, you can do so, which is sponsored by Deveni Motors, wherever podcasts are available or krvn.com.